Welcome to the House of Cinema podcast. I am your host, Joe Aragon, and with me today, Dylan and Olivia, and continuing our discussion on holiday movies. Last week, we discussed and kind of rekindled our love for the Santa Claus, and this week, we're talking about a movie that I think we all just really adore, for being honest. We're talking about a Christmas story. Maybe one of the most popular Christmas movies of all time. I mean, they showed on TV here quite literally for 24 hours on Christmas Day. Does that happen for you too, Olivia? I don't think so. Honestly, I don't think we have the same type of movie channels that you have that just show <laughs> movies all the time. Well, um, this is on uh, the channel formerly known as ABC Family, now known as Freeform. Uh, yeah, they show it just 24 hours. I'm not sure why or like how this like deal was struck up, but it, it happens on Christmas Day. This movie's on every for 24 hours, just constantly. Well, that's that's awesome. Can't I love it. it. I love yeah. it. My fiance hates it. I mean, she like will not watch it because it's on constantly. I, I watch <laughs> it consistently. Uh, but anyways, I'm talking about a Christmas story, a movie that I love. I want to hear you guys' history with a Christmas story. When did you first watch it? Tell me about that experience. How do you feel about it now? Dylan, let's hear it. So I actually have a very strong connection with this movie. I absolutely love it. And I'm not exactly sure how old I was when I first saw it. But I was really, really young. I want to say five or six years old. Uh, It's now a family tradition of mine to watch it every year on Christmas Eve. And uh, I feel like I know every scene and line of dialogue to a T when it comes to this movie. It's got so many iconic lines and just moments that make always make me laugh. Uh, and uh, there's just there's maybe a little bit of outdated stuff in it. And but I think that's the case with like all movies that kind of came out in this time period, especially like the 80s. Uh, but with that being acknowledged, uh you cannot deny the charm of this movie. It's one of a kind when it comes to holiday and Christmas movies. I completely agree. And I really agree with the thing you said about knowing every scene. There's one thing that I really love about this movie is that it's like 90 minutes long and there's like no downtime. I feel like every scene is just like so memorable. It just moves from scene to scene to scene to scene. I could talk about essentially every minute of the 90 minute runtime because it's so memorable there's just zero downtime no like throwaway scenes or boring scenes something's happening essentially in every scene and that's why like i just feel like it's so easy to watch around this time of year but olivia let's hear your story your story about the christmas story when did you first watch it what's your history with it so i have watched this movie every single year without fail at christmas time for as long as i can remember i was probably maybe nine maybe eight or nine the first time i was introduced to this movie and it was definitely shown to me like under the premise of this is one of the best christmas movies if not the best christmas movie of all time i know my parents have loved it since it came out and it's always been a tradition in their lives to watch it so every year I watch this movie during the week leading up to Christmas, usually. 
Um, and honestly, after watching this movie again this year, I, I, I have to say it's officially solidified itself as probably my all-time favorite Christmas movie. I know that's a big, wow, over big thing to say. I think over Elf just by a little tiny bit, but I just think this movie is so good. And like what you said, Joe, every single moment in this movie is great. Like there's no filler. There's no yeah. parts where you're like, oh, yeah. this is kind of a boring part. I found myself the whole time I was watching it saying, wait, what? This happens already? Because I know, every, same here. Right? Yeah, like, like the pole, when he stuck his tongue to the pole, I was like, wait, I thought this happened way later, but there's just so no, much that happens like in the movie instantly. and it's so good. So yeah, good. Like every scene just bleeds into the next and it's yeah. all super memorable. Like you, I was watching, I was like, oh, this is the part where he, he like bargains for the tree. And that moves straight into the you know, like curse word scene, which moves straight into the soap in the mouth scene, which moves straight into like him getting into a fight scene. I think it just like it just moves so quickly. It it doesn't even feel like I'm watching it for ninety minutes. No, it's, it's, it's truly so good. Great. I don't know if I would declare it. I probably would declare it my favorite Christmas movie. I mean, in just in terms of pure nostalgia, pure comfort, something that I want to sit down. On Christmas Eve, not go anywhere, sit on the couch, warm blanket, I don't, you know, a fire going, some bullshit, drink hot chocolate, I don't know. I would watch this movie because it's just easy to watch. And then I watch Jingle All the Way, a movie that you haven't seen, that I'm very <laughs> upset you haven't seen, that I'm going to force you to watch eventually. Okay, okay. But I, like both of you, I saw it at a very young age, uh, similar to you, Olivia. I feel like it was shown to me under the guise of this is the best Christmas movie of all time. And so I was already had this in my mind as watching it. And I kind of just agreed with it. Um, It is very good and it is very iconic. And I'm very excited to talk about a lot of different things about this movie. So let's jump into a Christmas story released November 18th of 1983, which always shocks me because the movie set like in the thirties or forties. And it feel like, it feels like it's a 30s or 40s movie sometimes when I watch it. Like, it I would, isn't it, I, it, really isn't it does. set in the 50s? Is it 50s? It's like sometime around Wizard of Oz, whenever Wizard of Oz is. They never say the actual year. So that is, maybe I'm ruining someone's fact, but they never say the actual year, but you can take context clues from the movie. I think there's a magazine that's like dated 19, like 30 something. And The Wizard of Oz came out in 1939. Oh, never mind. Yeah, so, I'm totally lying. I'm totally lying. You're right. You're yeah, it's right. It's okay. It's all right. I know you're trying to make me look bad. It's no big deal. No big There's deal. only the uh, radio um, in the movie. Uh, I feel like if it took place in the 50s, there would be like a, a television or something like that. So. Yeah, good point. Ooh, Dylan's owning you as well. Olivia. Yeah, wow. great. Ooh, roasted. Um. <laughs> Sit down, Olivia. Sit down. Um, yeah, but it does feel like an older movie. That's a point we're both trying to make. Is that like... If you would have said, you know, this we came in the 80s, I would have been pretty shocked if I didn't know already because it just feels like an old movie. Uh, directed by Bob Clark, who uh, also directed Black Christmas, one of my favorite horror movies and just a, also a good Christmas movie, I guess. Uh, movie has a runtime of 94 minutes, budget of $3.3 million, box office gross of $20.6 million. Not bad for 1983, to be honest. Here's a quick cast. Peter Billingsley plays Ralphie Parker. John Shepard plays adult Ralphie. Ian Petrella plays Randy Parker. Melinda Dillon plays Mrs. Parker. And Darren McGavin plays Mr. Parker, or commonly referred to as the old man. Rotten Tomatoes, 
Olivia, let's go with you first. What's your critic guess and audience guess? I don't even know where to ballpark this at. Like, I have no idea. But, um, okay, audience, no. Okay, so I'll start with critics. Critic score, I'm going to say uh, 89%. And I'm going to say audience score, 93%. Dylan, what do you think? So I feel like I've seen it before, but I have I didn't look it up for this episode, and I can't remember the last time I looked at it. So this is just my ballpark guess, but I think critics eighty three percent, audience eighty eight percent. You guys kind of flipped. Well, let me explain. Olivia spot on critics <gasps> guess eighty nine percent. What exactly. really? Wow. Exactly. Audience okay. score though, you were off. However, okay, whatever. Dylan was spot on. The audience score. 88%. Wow, that's pretty good. So you guys both win. It's a Christmas miracle. It is. Both of you guys are winners in my heart. So yeah, critic score 89, audience score 88. Consensus, both warmly nostalgic and darkly humorous, a Christmas story deserves its status as a holiday perennial. What are your guys' thoughts on these two scores? Are you shocked by any of them? Surprised by any of them? What are your reactions, Dylan? Well, I'm happier it's higher than my critic score guess because when I looked at 83%, I was like, I feel like that's low, but you know, I feel like I remember a lot of Rotten Tomato score, so I thought it was pretty accurate. But yeah, it makes me happy it's got better reviews than I thought it did. Uh, I yeah, I'm pretty fine with these scores. I don't really have anything to comment on. Um, I just think they're they're fine. I feel like. If I were to guess on these two, I would have also guessed like 83. I probably would have guessed like 78, if I'm being honest, in terms of critic score. I I love this movie. I like it a lot. And it's cool to hear that a lot of critics tend to agree that this is a, a good movie. I'm just surprised. I don't know. I, I, I got the vibe that critics wouldn't like this. So I would have guessed a lower score. Uh, Olivia, what are your thoughts on this two scores? You're off on the audience score. What's your reaction? Well... Because I got the critic score exactly right, I just knew. I just knew that's where it should be. But for wow, the audience, just, <laughs> <laughs> just knew. Okay, I just knew. I just knew. But for the audience score, I don't know. I thought it'd be higher than the critic score, just going under the assumption that I just know that this movie is so beloved by so many. But you know where it is: eighty-eight, eighty-nine, practically the same score for critics and audience. I think it is a good representation of how much this movie is beloved. I would have been disappointed if the critic score was lower, like 83 or something, and the audience score was even lower than that. That would have really shocked me. But this little separation of only one point, uh, I feel like it's pretty good representation of, of what it deserves, I think. Let's move to the facts about this movie. Olivia, let's start with you. What is an interesting fact you found that you want to share with the world about A Christmas Story? Um, I actually have two fun facts. Can I share both? Wow. You know what? It's Christmas time. You can share both if you like. the spirit of giving. I am feeling very giving today. Thank you. Okay. So the first fact is that this movie is actually filmed all around where I live now and where I grew up. Where is that at? Like Toronto, the greater Toronto area, St. Catharines. Yeah. Wow. Ontario, okay. Southern okay. Ontario. Do you notice any of the places while you're watching the movie? Like, oh, I know that place. I used to drink some soda pop there. 
yeah, you know me going out getting my soda pop like it's the 40s or something. <laughs> well, do you guys call soda pop or soda in Canada? We call it pop. You do call it pop? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Weird. Dylan, you call it soda or pop? I'm an East Coaster, so I call it soda. Okay. I think like East Coast, West Coast says soda, and then everybody in between us says pop. And I guess Canada says pop? Do different Canada parts of Canada pop. say does like the west side of Canada say soda? I don't know. I don't know anybody that says soda, so <laughs> that okay. was some shade right there, Olivia. I know, I feel no. like you just do some shade. I know I don't know anybody that says pop, if I'm being honest. Okay, cool. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, so you grew up in the place that A Christmas Story was filmed. Yeah. And the the high school in particular, like I know exactly where that school is that they use from it. It's like 20 minutes from where I grew up. Oh, is it a real school? Kind of cool. Oh, yeah, it is. Or it was. I don't think it's in operation anymore, but it was at one point a real school. Yes. Now it's a haunted school. Haunted. Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. Okay. Um, What's the other fact? My second fact is you know the scene obviously where is it flick flick gets his tongue stuck to the the metal pole yes okay but have any of you tried that before no well because of this no. movie too but yeah exactly because of this movie i would never do that that sounds okay awful. like one time i did like i tried oh, it no. but oh, you, I, you I didn't like like press it as hard as flick did in the movie like i just kind of like very lightly stuck my Raised tongue it? to a pole and it stuck that's so scary. Well, how, well, how did you get out like because i didn't really put a lot of pressure into it i could just pull it off myself like i only did the very very tip of my tongue but it actually did stick and every time i see like a metal pole in the winter i have this urge like not to actually stick my tongue <laughs> to it but i'm like what if i just stuck my tongue to that right now like uh. The female urge to lick the pole. <laughs> yeah, the, the feminine urge to stick your tongue to a frozen metal pole. <laughs> um, wow. Okay, I was going to ask you this question too, so I'm glad you asked it. But no, I, I would never do that because of mainly because of this movie. But also, it just sounds dangerous. Although I've read on the internet that if you do do that, all you need to do is get like really warm water and just slowly pour it over your tongue. And then yes. eventually, like, loosens and up. it'll or get, just like, a, melt. A, yeah, like it'll melt the metal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but anyways, back to my fact. Oh, so, that wasn't the fact? No. What, what, what fact was said in that Yeah, I was wondering where oh, this I don't was know. going. <laughs> I forgot what, how this even started, so I just assumed there was a fact earlier. <laughs> <laughs> no, there remember. wasn't. Um, okay, so how they filmed that scene, I thought it was really interesting. What they did is they... they um, it was a plastic pole and they cut a little hole in the plastic pole and there was a motorized vacuum hidden below the snow. And what they did is they turned the vacuum on. So when Flick put his tongue up to the pole, it kind of sucked it in and it made it look like it was actually stuck because he could pull against it just a little bit and his tongue wouldn't move. But all he had to do was just pull back a little more and it would just come right out easily. So I actually, this was, this was my fact. I'm glad you were talking about it because, um, I also thought it was pretty interesting. I guess I chose an Olivia fact without even knowing. Yeah, I thought this was pretty, pretty cool, pretty unique. Because when I was younger, I was convinced like this kid, like injured himself putting his tongue on a flagpole, and I was like, "Wow, that's, that's dedication, dedication a... to the craft." <laughs> 
<laughs> dedication to the craft as a child actor to stick your tongue on a frozen pole uh, and to learn just today that it was just a vacuum, like a tube. Uh, makes a lot of sense. And it's actually pretty like crafty. I like hearing stories about this, about filmmakers doing like kind of MacGyver-esque things to make a scene work. This is like a, a really good example of that. I, but yeah, I would never put my tongue to a, a pole, like ever. I put my tongue one time to like a frozen ice pack and it like simulated a similar experience, but it was not as cold as that. There's like so. a millisecond of panic. There's Yeah, exactly. It's like a, a <laughs> one second panic. Like, oh my God, my, oh, my whole tongue's getting ripped off right now. <laughs> oh my God. I've never even met anybody who would even do that. I live in California though. It's never gotten that cold in my entire life. So I, I don't, True. I've never had a chance to see that. Dylan, have you even seen someone do it? Uh, never in person. Yeah, no, never oh. in person. But uh, yeah, because of this movie, I very much stayed away from it because I uh, just like the the little part of the scene where he comes back into the classroom and his t- and his like tongue is tied up with that like gauze and he's just like the tears in his eyes. I like I didn't <laughs> I didn't want that to be me. So awful. Yeah, it sounds pretty bad. Okay. Well, that was a good fact. That was a good one. All right. Dylan, what's the fact you want to share with us? So this one's a bit of a long-winded one, but I, I do find it really interesting. So a fact I really love about A Christmas Story is Peter Billingsley, who plays Ralphie in the movie, actually plays the elf Ming Ming in uh, the Christmas movie Elf. He actually has a pretty solid working relationship with Elf's director, John Favreau as he also has served as an executive producer for movies like Iron Man. He also had a small role in Iron Man, which he later reprised in Spider-Man Far From Home. He's the guy Obadiah Stane screams at, Tony Stark built this in a cave with a box of scraps. So yeah, Ralphie is in the MCU confirmed. Oh my goodness, A Christmas Story is part of the MCU, right? I know. Yeah, that makes sense. That is totally. quite the fact. I would not have. I mean, I knew he was in Elf because I've seen that like uh, side by side of him as a kid and an elf. So I knew he was an elf, but I had no idea he was in the MCU. Would have never known that. Good for Peter Bill- Billingsley. I feel like he's like secretly doing really well, and it's just because he's making all the right financial decisions. Good for Peter Billingsley. Very cool. Go Peter Billingsley. <laughs> Let's. Uh, I like my fact was already taken by Olivia, which I don't mind. It's Christmas. Give her the, that credit. <laughs> so let's move to our favorite scenes from a Christmas story. We've touched on it already a couple times about how we can talk about this entire movie. But I'm challenging you guys with this: pick only one scene. You can only pick one scene from a Christmas story as your absolute favorite scene. Which scene is it going to be? This was really hard, like very hard. Every single scene in this movie is good. Um, But I think I've got to go with when uh, Ralphie and Randy go to see Santa. Oh, okay. That's a good one. I didn't even write that one down. And that's a really, really good one. Yeah, I've got to say (laughs) say that it's a good one. I like the Wizard of Oz. Oh, that little kid is (laughs) so funny. That kid's so funny with his his, like goggles on. Yeah. He has like a airplane goggles or something. He looks yeah. like a pilot. Oh, everything about that scene is just so, I don't know. I feel like it's like you're seeing it through the lens of a child. Like you really are in that scene. Like 
the long wait to go see Santa. And then I love the shot. It's like the camera angle that looks like it's like from from Ralphie's perspective. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Santa's terrifying. The elves are like so mean. Yeah. yeah, the elves are so mean. And it's just, I just think it's such a such a good scene. I love it. I love it. So I'm funny. always surprised they leave their kids in line for that long and like go off shopping. They're and just they feel like really young to just yeah. like leave there. No. Oh, and when poor Randy, poor Randy just screams as soon as he sits <laughs> on Santa's lap. <laughs> Randy's low key like one of the best characters in this entire movie. He's so, so funny. I love love Randy. He's really funny. Uh, yeah, I love this scene a lot. I'm glad you brought it up. I I feel like. When I was a kid and I watched this scene, I always wanted to go and visit a Santa like on top of a big mountain so I could ride a slide cool. down. It's yeah. pretty cool, but I, I've never had that experience of myself, at least. Dylan, any thoughts on this scene? Yeah, it's a great scene. And also a little part of that scene that I really like is what I think it's like the Wicked Witch of the West comes up to him. And she like talks to him in like the Wizard of Oz <laughs> voice, and he's like, "Don't talk to me. I'm thinking." I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's so yeah. funny. And the, he's the, so the, good. He's so good in this movie. Like honestly, yeah. Love he's it. like a like a little adult. Like he doesn't even yeah. look like he's obviously a kid, but he acts like such a he's mature so adult, like stuck in a kid's body. It's very funny. Oh man. I do like when the witch bothers him and then she like kind of looks offended and like walks away after he tells her <laughs> that. <laughs> oh man. Great scene. Good choice. Dylan, what's your one scene you're choosing? The one scene from this movie that you think is the absolute best, your absolute favorite? So Olivia really hit the nail on the head when she said this is a really difficult decision to make. Uh, there are so many very funny scenes in this movie that always get a laugh out of me. But I actually want to talk about a scene that isn't funny at all. And that is Ralphie's dad getting him the Red Rider BB gun for Christmas. Uh, It's the scene where he like kind of points it out to Ralphie and he goes and finds it. And, you know, he tells him Santa brought it. And I just think it's such a heartwarming and magical scene and just like really captures like the magicalness of Christmas morning as a kid and unwrapping something you either didn't expect to get or that you really really wanted but didn't know if you were gonna get and uh it just really stands out to me now that i'm an adult let me ask you this when you were watching this i don't know if you can remember this far back but did you expect him to get the bb gun i feel like when i watched this movie for the first time i was pretty convinced he was never getting that bb gun and then i was pretty shocked as a kid that he did and i feel like this was a life-altering joe moment like if ralphie is gonna get his bb gun and the whole movie everybody's telling him no his mom's like no his dad's like no and they get it for him i feel like that changed my life because i was like well my mom told me i wasn't gonna get a playstation 2 (laughs) and she kept telling me i was never gonna get it so i'm pretty sure i'm fucking getting a playstation 2 now i feel like it was just like a big game changer for me i don't know if it's like you did you expect it Definitely not, because, you know, I think they purposely set it up. But now as an adult, now that I've watched it a lot, I think, you know, it's I see where it's going. now. But that's after about like 20 watches. But yeah, no, I mean, especially because I think we've all had that moment with our parents where we really wanted something and they've told us like, no, and that's it. And there's no talking about it further. And, you know, end of conversation. So I think, you know, that was 
I agree, pretty mind-blowing as a kid to be like, wait, our parents can trick us? <laughs> they can deceive us? Uh, <laughs> what was that one gift for you guys? Do you guys know? Can you guys think of on top of your head? Was there one gift that you absolutely wanted so badly and your parents just wouldn't say no, no, yeah. no, but they got it for you anyways? Do you know? Yes, yes, totally. What is it? I actually, it's not a BB gun, but I wanted, well, I moved to uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, like a suburb of the Pittsburgh when I was like, I want to say like 11 or 12. And like every kid there was playing with airsoft guns, which uh, looking back on it now, very, very weird. But it was like every, all the guys were obsessed with it. So I kept on asking for one and my parents were like, no, we don't want that in our house. Uh, and like for the long, it was years. It wasn't like a Christmas and like, oh, they got it for me. Oh, it was it like took a couple Christmases. Yeah, yeah. It took me and it like all, my friends would always go out and do it, and I would never be able to come. And it was like, it was kind of hard for me because you know I had just moved and I wanted to make friends. But one Christmas they finally caved and got me one, and uh, I went with my friends, and uh, I never wanted to go again because I saw how brutal it was being taken and. Uh, I just really didn't want to be shot by a bunch of uh, plastic pellets. It, it looked painful, <laughs> no. so I, uh, I backed you out. You didn't want that? Yeah, no, yeah. I, I didn't really realize what was going to happen until I saw it happen to a kid, and I was just like, oh, man, that looks really painful. Like, <laughs> that is an amazing story. Olivia, any items that you wanted, any toy that you wanted so badly your parents didn't want to get you and they finally caved? Um, hmm... I think, I think it was an American Girl doll. Really? Yeah. Why did yeah. you? Do you know why they would, didn't want to get you an American Girl doll? They're really expensive. Oh. It's like a hundred dollars at least. It was a hundred dollars like fifteen years ago for oh, that's the a doll, lot of money. and then all the clothes were like thirty dollars each. And I mean, we're in Canada, so American Girls are a lot of loonies. Well, no, I was gonna say they aren't easily like easy to buy here there's like one store that sells them in oh yeah like our it's called area american here. doll not a canadian doll. american girl there believe it or not there is a knockoff called canadian girl <laughs> and they're horrible they, they they're ah, not as nice so not the same quality but it was it was one of those things where um they totally surprised me with it i remember we were, we were out for dinner for my birthday i was like eight or something and that was probably my best birthday, actually, looking back. Wow. Eight years Eight old. Eight years old, huh? Best year of my life. Um, <laughs> but they brought out the big box, and I remember unwrapping it at dinner, and I was just so, so excited. Ecstatic. And I think I had, wow. like, matching pajamas or something with my American girl. Wow. That is so corny. I hope you can find a photo of that, and we can post it and share it with everybody. <laughs> I think her name was um, Emily. Picture. I don't know why I named her Emily, but I think her name was Emily. Emily, Emily. Is there like a Canadian, are there Canadian names like that are really popular in Canada? Like no, I think it's pretty much the same. Pretty much reason, the same as the US. For some reason, I feel like a Canadian name is like Gus. or Yeah, or Pierre. Like, well, maybe in Quebec, but. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Wow. Those are good stories. I don't, I can't really think of, I think my only example is for the longest time I wanted a bike, but I didn't want. I wanted a uh, a bike with pegs, like the little the you know what pegs are, right? The things that go on the tires that people like someone can stand on them that behind you. Can you can stand like, on, yeah, yeah. So 
for the longest time, I wanted a cool bike like that. I called it a street bike. I don't know if that was the right Ooh. word. But I told my mom, I was like, I want a street bike. I don't want a mountain bike. I don't want anything else. I want a street bike because, like, my neighbors had them. And I thought they were so cool. And I wanted, like, to ride around. And my friends, like, hang on the back and, like, do cool stuff with it. And eventually, they caved. And I got it. I got the pegs. And I was, like, riding around. And then my neighbor was like, hey, let, let me ride on the back. I was like, okay. And it's actually kind of hard to do and so i finally got the momentum he jumps on the back and then he was being kind of a jerk and he like kept moving around a lot and we both ate shit we both fell and oh, we no. fell really hard and i didn't like cry because my neighbors were there but i wanted to cry and I'm, i was like pretty scraped up and i was really upset and i was like i don't ever want to ride this bike again <laughs> it's <laughs> over the, the dream feeling. is dead <laughs> I know I felt so dumb like I should just got a mountain bike like my mom asked like my mom told me to man it's almost like adults you live and get you it. learn yeah I know I know anyways we have digressed I do like the scene a lot Dylan I do like the magic of it it does it's almost like filmed in a different way the music like is right, different right and it just like feels very happy and wholesome when he takes the the BB gun out I do like that moment a lot so any final thoughts, Olivia? I think it does a really, really good way of expressing the emotions of that moment. Like, I feel like we can all kind of relate to that moment when you finish opening all your presents. And especially when you were a kid, there's there's a little, you're happy, you're so grateful for everything you got, but there, there's a little part of you that's ah, just like, true, true. that like melancholy, I would have really loved this. But like, I understand why I didn't get it. I'm still happy with everything that I got. Oh, that's a good point. But then yeah. you see, like, even, like, the way his dad spoke to him. And he was like, oh, you're happy with everything. And Ralph, Ralphie's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm pretty happy. I just think it's so well done and, and mm. so relatable. It's also really kind well of out said. of character for the dad, too. Because, like, the whole movie, he's kind of, like, a hard ass and kind of a little scary with his temper. So, like, seeing him, like, so overjoyed to give Ralphie this gift that you didn't even think you, like, really listened to when... You know, because he's always, like, reading his paper at dinner and stuff yeah, like that. It's really yeah. sweet. What Dylan was saying is kind of what I was going to say next is that I feel like as a kid, watching this movie and watching that scene was great because you could relate to Ralphie. And now that I'm an adult watching this, I kind of, I don't relate to the dad. I don't, I don't have kids, but I'm an adult now and I like to give gifts. And it's really fun giving a gift to somebody that you put a lot of thought into or that you know they wanted. Because I think the dad's reaction is really sweet and really kind of on point of how a father or a parent feels when they know, oh, I, I got him the gift that they've been wanting. Because he's like so excited as Ralphie's opening it, like telling his wife to just like watch, just watch. Uh, it's a really great moment. I, I do love this scene. Wow, I like this scene a lot more than I thought. I'm dying to know which one you are choosing. This is tough because as we all said, a lot of great moments. I'm really down between like three of them. Uh, runners up, the flagpole scene, which we've talked a little bit before this. Love that moment. As as cute and as wholesome as the unraveling of the BB gun is, I love when Ralphie also shoots his eye out with an icicle. <laughs> the irony. Very, I know, very great uh, juxtaposition there. The irony is great. But if I'm picking one scene that always sticks out to me, and the scene I think about the most it's probably the scene where Ralphie goes out to help his dad change the tire and he says the F-bomb. Yeah, I feel like that's like the quintessential A Christmas Story mm -hmm. moment. Oh, I feel like it is too. Fudge. Yeah. 
I was convinced when I was younger. Like I didn't when I was younger and was watching this. I didn't understand that he said the f word. Yeah, I just thought yeah. he said fudge. I was like, what's the bad word about fudge? I don't understand. I remember asking my mom, being like, "Is fudge a bad word?" <laughs> so true. I'm pretty sure I've asked that exact thing to my parents after watching this. Uh, but of course, now that as that I'm an adult, I completely get it. I feel like at some point, this I, you know, I matured and my brain understood more. This scene is so much funnier when you're an adult or older because you realize he said the f word, and then everybody's reactions when they say. Ralphie said the F word is really funny. Uh, I love that, like, Ralphie, like, narrating, saying, I've heard my old man say the F word a million times. Um, then he blames it on Schwartz. Is that his name? Schwartz? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Is this Schwartz? Yeah, Schwartz. He blames it on Schwartz. And then you can hear, like, Schwartz's mom, like, go crazy when she finds out that Schwartz has said it. And then, obviously, the soap in the mouth, very iconic, iconic moment. Um, there's just, it's just so funny. It's really funny. I, I I love it so much. I'm not sure there's not much for me to say besides I love when he goes, oh, fudge. So any thoughts on that moment? I just never understood why they freaked out so much. Like, okay, yeah, I get it. It's a bad word. But, and like, okay, back then too, I guess things were more serious and punishments were more severe. Yeah, definitely a sign of the times, right? 30s, 40s era. I guess saying the F word is like the cardinal sin of things to do, which is crazy to think because in 2021, if a kid says that it's probably bad, you probably want to talk to your child and say, hey, you probably shouldn't say that. But like, that was like, he murdered somebody. And I don't really understand like why the mom's like, where did you hear that? Because she also hears the father swearing all the time oh like, yeah exactly so i don't really know like why she's so shocked and like why she does schwartz dirty like that by calling his mother oh, i know man so many narcs back then all they yeah. do is mark on each other ridiculous but yes i i think it's a really it's a really important scene in the movie because it definitely it definitely shows ralphie and his mother's bond too i think she's a really sweet mother yeah, I think so too. She's, she's so really great. great. Like she's hard when she needs to be, but she's so sweet. So I have a little bit of a different interpretation of this scene. I do think Ralphie does get punished, and I'm sure he, you know, all of the stuff of him like getting grounded and uh, uh, the mom calling Schwartz's mom. I'm sure all that all that happened. But I think the movie does kind of go out of the way to show you that Ralphie kind of has a vivid imagination and also can kind of stretch the truth a little bit. And mm -hmm. I'm wondering if this is from the child's eyes because he's reminiscing as an adult of like, it was he's making it sound much worse than it mm. actually was. Like, like we said, it sounds like he committed murder. And when we're kids and we get in trouble and our parents like yell at us or sternly talk to us, it does feel like we did commit murder, even though it's nothing close to, to that. So I'm wondering if it's just like, purposely like making it seem Dramatic. like that yeah got it good point good point that's a really good point to make i like when he is envisioning himself going blind yes yeah that's yeah <laughs> that's what that's the next thing i was gonna say was well, how did you become blind <laughs> it was it was 
The soap. Oh, <laughs> they all like screaming and crying. <laughs> uh, it's funny because at some point, I think in a lot of kids' lives, including my own, maybe not your guys's, but for sure mine, you like you get unreasonably angry with your family that you like do dramatic things like that or envision dramatic things like that. Like, how many times as a kid does I say, I'm going to run away from here oh my God, and so then, like, times. pretend to pack my bags and, like, get my shoes by the door and then, like, open the door and then just come back inside because <laughs> I'm a child and that's why I wouldn't leave. But, like, that's what I love about it. I feel like every at some point in every kid's life, they have some dramatic vision like that and they act dramatic. So, if anything, that supports what Dylan said. This is a very probably more dramatic retelling of what actually happened. But uh, any other thoughts on uh, the soap and going blind? I also think it's funny how like, okay, yeah, like it kind of sucks that, you know, all like the nuts and bolts or whatever on a tire get um, get thrown into the air. But I just think it's hilarious instead of just like, oh, darn, he's just like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> like, like zero to a hundred. <laughs> Right? It's like, oh, oops. It's like, yeah, straight to the F word. I guess like, it's because he knows his dad's like racing time, which is yeah, another true. ridiculous aspect of this entire scene. It's like he thinks like he's a NASCAR driver uh, or like a pit worker or whatever. But uh, yeah, what a what a scene. I love it a lot. There's so many moving parts to it. Woo. All right. We have to move on because we'll talk about scenes all day. So let's move to any other questions that we didn't talk about that you guys want to ask before we move on. Yeah, I have a quick question that's kind of connected to the uh, the oh fudge scene. Uh, okay, okay. And that is, it goes out to you both. First of all, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid and I figured out how to swear, I I swore so much. Like, oh yeah, it was it it was really bad. Um, but my question to you both is: when you did swear, did you get caught? And what was your punishment, or if you oh, had anyone? Good question. Oh, man. When did I first start swearing a lot? Hmm. Olivia, do you have anything for this? I I feel like I didn't really get in trouble. Like, if I did, like, I never swore, like, a ton around my parents. But as I got older, it kind of became, like, you know, if something bad yeah. happened or, like, you hurt yourself or, or something, like, it became, like, kind of okay. Like, they yeah. might be like, oh, the, come on, like, what are you saying? Like, don't say that. But, like, I would never actually get in trouble for it. Fair, fair, and, fair. and now, obviously, like, if I if I swear in front of them, like, obviously, I'm an adult. It's it's yeah. not a bad thing. <laughs> but, but it is funny because I do find myself, like, depending on who I'm with, like, my brain just automatically like will allow myself to swear or not like if i'm talking with friends and they say something i'll be like oh shit really you know that's just like a normal thing <laughs> but i was in the car with my mom the other day and she said something and just naturally my brain was like oh shoot really oh and I'm like, why conditions they who shoot says instead. oh shoot nobody uh, an old lady like you apparently <laughs> you've programmed your mind to behave i did <laughs> I, I didn't even think about it but it's weird anyways i feel like I had levels of bad words that continue to get better or worse as I got older. So, like, when I was young, my, my parents were really strict, like, really strict on the swear words. I couldn't even say the word but for the longest time. Wow. I would say until, like, <laughs> second or third grade. And then eventually I got older and they're like, okay. And then I couldn't say, like, sucks or stupid. 
Uh, and then eventually that grew out of it. And uh, I think I got to like the high tier of swear words pretty fast, though. Like after the slow start, I got to like uh, the F word and shit uh, to like like high school. I was kind of allowed to say it as long as what Olivia said, as long as the, the reaction warranted it. You know, if something happened and I responded, cool. But if I was just like unprovokingly saying the F word, my mom would be like, hey, yo, like, calm down, calm down. Yeah. And I was like, okay, you're right, all right. Now I'm an adult, I can say whatever the fuck I want, and it's because I'm an adult. <laughs> uh, but I will say the one time I got caught, it wasn't by my parents, it was by my tennis coach in high school. I was telling this story on this bus to uh, a friend. I was actually telling a story about a movie, ironically enough, and I was quoting the movie, and in that quote, they said the F word a lot, and I was saying it. My tennis coach, like, heard me, and uh, he got real pissed. And, like, I had to run I had to run so many laps because I said that. What? Um, that was the what, only time. What scene? Uh, it was actually from... <laughs> this is pretty funny. I know this exact story. It was from uh, the movie Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, I love and that movie. I was telling somebody about it, and I was like, oh, there's this quote Alan Arkin says about, like, fucking a lot of women. And I said that. I was telling my friend that quote. When my, uh, my my tennis coach heard me, he was pissed. And he made me run a lot of laps because of it. So, anyways, yeah, that's uh that's my story. Yeah, never really told my parents, just just by my tennis coach, I guess. Wow, unlocked a memory right there, Dylan. <laughs> what about you though? Any 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 stories about your your swearing history? Um, so I did get caught by my parents at like a pretty early age, like swearing, and I'm pretty sure I like heard it on TV or something because like my dad would watch TV at night. And uh, he would, like, not play it, like, too loud, but it was loud enough for me to hear, like, him watching The Sopranos, for example. So uh, I got caught once, and I think I was, like, sent to bed early or something like that. Like No soap in the mouth? No soap in the mouth, thankfully. I was just, like, you know, had to go to bed at an earlier time than I already was, you know, going to bed at the time. Which, by the way, I remember that sucked that I had to go to bed at, like, 8, 8.30 as a kid. That <laughs> It was the worst. I'm totally getting back for like staying up late now. Uh, but uh, anyway, there was one occasion that sticks out of my memory when um, I was, it was in elementary school actually, and I was on the bus with my friends. And I think my friends were just like busting each other's chops and like, you know, just messing around. And my friend said something and I like gave him the finger as a joke. Oh. But then I, I got off the bus and then I like started panicking because I was like, what if he goes home and tells his mom that I gave him the <laughs> finger and then his mom calls my mom. So I sprinted home, ran inside, like said hi to my mom real quick, ran upstairs, grabbed the landline phone and called him. And I was like, you're not going to tell your mom, are you? And he was like, what? No. And I was like, Okay, cool. See you tomorrow. And yeah, that was that was it. But I will Amazing. forever remember that. Amazing. Do people still use the middle finger? I feel like I I hardly ever see people flip each other off. I guess while they're driving, it's an easy way to like yeah the driving your thing. Rage. I remember yeah. when it used to feel like honestly like the worst thing you could ever do to somebody. Right. Right. It was. Yeah. For a long time. Now it's like I don't even see it in person. I guess if someone flipped me off in person, I would just laugh. <laughs> like it just it's kind of a funny thing now, funny gesture. Wow. Great, great question. Unlocked a lot of memories there. That was a lot of fun. Uh Olivia, any questions before we move on? I do have one. Um Let's hear it. Are you team real Christmas tree or fake Christmas tree? Oh. Oh amazing. I am 
team fake Christmas tree all day Disgrace long. to Christmas. I love fake Christmas trees. You know why I love fake Christmas trees? One, you pay for them one time, you get to store it for many years. Save lots of money. Two, good for the environment. Three, less of a mess. Four, you get to save <laughs> a lot of money because you can store it. I love I love fake Christmas trees. I guess I'm, I might be alone on this one. I'm not going to be surprised at all, Dylan. Look, as someone who grew up and every year we got a real Christmas tree and would go out and get it and like attach it to our car, uh, I can now say, Joe, everything you're saying is right. Uh, Dude, go so fake true. Christmas tree all the way. So it's much so less convenient. hassle. Um, it looks it freaking great, especially if you get a good one. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm really happy with mine. I fully yeah. support it. And growing up, like I feel like it was like just like generally by people, it was made to feel like you were made to feel less for having one. And it's just like that's a tree. That's just like what are we gatekeeping trees now? Like what what the hell's <laughs> going on here? Like trees I know, a tree. I know. One hundred percent agree with you. We do get a lot of hate for wanting a fake tree and i think that's totally unwarranted like maybe and i don't want yeah. like thousands of needles all over my floor constantly exactly like, it's just so much and if you make a good investment like you said you can get a really nice one that looks really good and you just slap some air fresheners on there like the evergreen ones smells just like a christmas tree it's amazing it's perfect thousand percent agree but- olivia is like probably like no, she's cringing. not talking right now. So I'm, yeah, I'm just, so I'm just sitting here in silence because you're both just so wrong. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Let's let's hear your defense of real Christmas trees. Tell me why you hate the environment. Um. <laughs> okay. First of all, I do not hate the environment, and we actually put our trees out in our in the woods behind our house every year, and birds make nests in them. So, <laughs> yeah. Nothing can beat the scent of a real Christmas tree. Nothing. Mm, Nothing. It's it's amazing. And they're just so beautiful. They're so beautiful. And I love when they're like, they're not perfect, you know? I don't like the the plastic Christmas trees because they're just so perfect. I like my Christmas tree a little quirky. Like, look at the Christmas tree <laughs> in a Christmas story. It's so quirky, but that's what's uh, fun about it. And it's such a fun Christmas activity to go. And if you cut it down yourself, fun. If you go and pick pick one out as a family, fun. It's just such a great thing. And, and I love it. You know, um, some of these fake Christmas trees come with like lights built into the needles. And they just already light up. It's pretty cool. But is it isn't part of the fun decorating the tree and trying to fix all the spots on the tree that are missing lights? Well, you have to fix a lot of spots on a fake Christmas tree. I feel like you're but... over romanticizing the oh, Christmas 100%. tree because all I can remember is like trying to get it in the door with my dad and like us getting really upset and angry that it wasn't <laughs> working out and then like the mess. It was just like we would always be like, Yeah, let's go get a tree, but like the setup it's a lot to do in one day, and then like we have everyone's tired. It's just a yeah, fake tree all the way. Hey Olivia, do you know how many fires occur because of real f- Christmas trees? No. You know it's it's about a average of 160 home fires occur each year. Do, do you the- have the stats for fake Christmas trees? No, because that doesn't happen as much with fake Christmas trees. And it's because- an invalid argument if you can't give me stats <laughs> from both sides. It's an anomaly. <laughs> <laughs> it is a smaller percentage, but a lot of fires happen because you have to like water the real Christmas tree. I didn't even know you had to water it. Like it's so easy. It's literally so easy. I don't people are so lazy nowadays. The tree <laughs> sits 
in a little stand and that stand can hold water. You literally just have to make sure there's water in it. It's not that hard. I literally have a memory of like my Christmas tree falling out of the stand one year. And oh, that sounds awful. It, yeah, that's never, ever happened with my fake tree. That yeah, happened at my house one year when I was younger. All of a sudden, in the middle of the night, you hear a huge crash and the whole tree fell over. Wow. You know, that wouldn't have happened with the fake tree. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move to the move to the lighting round. I was going to ask you guys, do you guys, do you guys know what Ovaltine is? Do you guys, have you ever drank an Ovaltine? I I've never know what it is. Don't, I never it tried before. it. Though. No. Yeah. Mm, okay. Well, then I won't even ask that question. It's it's not good. Just drink Nesquik. quick. It's much better. So old team is trash. But here we are. We're at the lightning round. Four questions. You guys answer as soon as you hear the choices. No thinking, and you want to answer it right away. You guys ready? Yes. Yes. Question one: Which famous toy from a Christmas movie would you rather have? The Red Rider BB gun or the Talk Boy from Home Alone 2? Oh, Red Rider definitely BB gun. Talk Boy. Oh, I thought it was going to be the same thing for a second, but uh, no, Olivia, why the Talk Boy? I would have absolutely no use for a BB gun. What if like a bunch of random cowboys try to rob your house like in Christmas Story? <laughs> if that happened, maybe the BB gun would come in handy. But okay. I. I don't know how a BB gun works. I've never shot a BB gun. One time I did get shot by a BB gun and it was a very painful experience. And I don't want to be near a BB gun ever again after that. Okay, fair, fair. Um, Dylan, why? The oh, talk boy, and, and the talk boy is cool. The talk boy is cool. That's good. I like it. The fact that yeah. you like slow things down and give it like a deeper voice by slowing it down. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it's really cool. Very handy. Dylan chose the BB gun, though. Why the BB gun? No shade to the talk boy. I just, like, I feel like every boy has gone through, like, a stage in their life, a similar stage where it's, like, either, like, a soldier or an action or, like, a spy or a cowboy where they, like, want to just, like, have a gun. Not, like, a real gun, but, like, shoot things in their, like, yard and stuff like that, like, bottles or stuff like that. Uh, and I definitely wanted to do that as a kid, especially when seeing the movie up until the point where he like shot himself in the eye. But I always thought the 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 gun itself looked really cool um, a- as a kid, and I wanted to you know do what he did outside with minus getting shot in the eye. I think for a long time I wanted the BB gun, and then I just feel like it's really fun to use the talk boy. I want to like record people and do crazy sound effects with their voices and in, in the recording. I'm kind of torn. I think that if I had to make one choice right now, I would still lean I would still lean BB gun. Sorry, Olivia. I'm gonna leave you alone on Talk Boy. You can have the Talk Boy. Thanks. Next question. Who is the worst Christmas bully? Scott Farkas or Buzz McAllister from Home Alone? Oh Scott. Scott Farkas, yeah. Yeah. So apparently Wait, is it according Scott to- or Scott? <laughs> according to Wiki, it's Scott. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, I thought really? it was Scott. Yeah, I, thought I thought it was, it was Scott, Scott too, too, but yeah. Wiki says Scott Farkas, not Scott. Okay. Um, so Scott's worse. Now, hear hear me out. I agree, Scott's a, a piece of shit. But Buzz, is it almost worse to be a bully to your own family member than it is to a random person? I feel like like having siblings is automatic, like bullying, like not like intense ah. bullying, but like. I don't know. Buzz I definitely messed with my sisters and my sisters messed with me as a kid. Like we didn't do like horrible things like 
to each other, but we would definitely like, I don't know, like, yeah, like tease each other and stuff. Okay. Maybe I think Buzz is too much of a douche. I don't know. I thought maybe he was a little bit too harsh on Kevin. He does some pretty mean things to Kevin. That is true. So, it's true. Okay. Olivia, any thoughts on why why didn't you choose Buzz and why you chose Scott? Well, we know that Buzz is mean to Kevin, but we don't know how he is to other children that aren't his siblings. I feel like he's probably just as bad. Maybe, but I feel like Scott, like, we know that he's, like, awful to all the children. And he's just, his like, eyes. a menace. His eyes. There's, like, eyes. serial eyes. He has yellow eyes. eyes. Like, <laughs> he's born to be a menace to society. <laughs> wow. Born to be a menace to society. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Scott's a piece of shit. I agree. I agree. I just thought, I don't know. I feel like if Buzz is that mean to Kevin at home he must be a real jerk to people outside of the home i mean that's what i think but maybe maybe you guys are right all right scott's the worst bully that's fair next question i'm gonna keep it in the same theme here which family would you rather be a part of ralphie's family or kevin McAllister's family kevin ralphie's family i agree with ralphie 100 percent. why kevin olivia um I I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it for a second, absolutely, Ralphie's. I think I was just kind of basing it on like very quickly in my mind what like 1940s to like 1990s. But like I understand that this doesn't relate to time period that I would be living in. No, just just the family. Just, just the, family. the family. I don't know. On one hand, Kevin's family like. I'm an only child, and it seems kind of fun to have, like, lots of brothers and sisters. Oh, God, no. Mm-mm. Okay, well, it just seems kind of fun from somebody that is an only child, and that kind of, like, crazy, like, hustle and bustle seems kind of fun sometimes. But <laughs> R- Ralphie's, Ralphie's family, ultimately, like, they are quite sweet, and they look out for one another, and yeah, that would be my choice. I changed my answer. Dylan, why why Ralphie over Kevin? Let me just get let me just say this. Uh Kevin's family is a bunch of a-holes. Um They are a bunch of a-holes. There's no one redeemable in that family. I think even Kevin is like a bit of an a-hole himself, but I give him a pass because he's a kid and you know, all kids can be kind of a-holes at some points. I was for sure. Uh but yeah, I just when I watch Home Alone, I always think of how miserable that family really seems. Uh, and, uh, you know, even as quirky as Ralphie's family is, uh, you can really tell they love each other, all of them. I 100% agree. As someone who has two younger siblings, whom I love, love them, uh, having, like, three more, oh, um, I can't even imagine yeah. how frustrating that would be. And then not even that, like, even, like, the extended family, like, his uncle and his aunts, like, they all just seem, like, not really fun people i would not want to just be in that family ralphie's family though yeah dad's kind of a jerk kind of tough but he loves you and he shows that sometimes uh mom like we said earlier very sweet tough when she needs to be but like looks out for you and you have a little brother named randy who's just like kind of a (laughs) kind of a weird kid but he's really funny he's so weird he's so funny (laughs) i would love to have his little brother just like 
running around in his snowsuit that's too like too <laughs> too many layers on and can't put his arms down. <laughs> uh love it, love it. I choose Ralphie's family, so okay. Well now we're all in consensus now that Olivia's changed her answer. My last question for you guys. Which famous movie lamp do you think is more iconic? The leg lamp from a Christmas story? Or the Pixar lamp the just the Pixar lamp? The Pixar leg lamp. lamp. Ooh, hoo, hoo. difference of opinion here. I also lean leg lamp, if I'm being honest. Um, I don't know if there's any like I, any argument for either. You can probably say they're both pretty iconic. I don't know. Why'd you choose Pixar lamp over leg lamp, Dylan? As popular as the leg lamp is, it is only really popular during the holiday season where Pixar's all year round. You know, you, mm. you got Pixar movies coming out all the time. It's in its logo. Um, and I also associate... A lot of nostalgia with the Pixar lamp because I've been seeing it ever since I was practically born. Um, and, you know, I have a lot of nostalgia for the leg lamp, too. It's just, like I said, more of a holiday nostalgia rather than like a, you know, baseline general nostalgia. Which lamp would you rather own as uh, for yourself? I mean, I think the leg lamp would be actually pretty cool <laughs> to have. I'm not going to lie. Like, it's pretty cool. Uh, and uh, I, <laughs> I remember the first time I saw it, I was just like, I didn't eat, like I, I don't even think I really understood the joke because I was like five years old at the time when I saw it. Um, but now that I'm an adult, I think it's really real. One of the funniest scenes of the movie is him getting that lamp. I, I like agree. when Ralphie touches it. It makes me laugh every, <laughs> yeah, time. Laugh every time. He's like too. running his hand up and down the leg. His mom keeps like <laughs> swatting it. So I was going to ask this. Uh, Maybe I'll save it for later. I don't know. Now, you know what? I'm going to ask it now. I was going to ask this later. I asked you guys to grab your favorite quote from Christmas Story. Just one quote that you love the most from this movie. And I'm only bringing this up now because my quote actually comes from this scene. Is it, uh, only one thing in the world could have dragged me away from the soft glow of electric sex gleaming in the window? yes that was it that's exactly the quote my favorite quote in the entire movie is that quote that's what i chose too is it yeah (laughs) amazing amazing there's just something about the way it's worded it's so like eloquent but also applies to such a ridiculous situation i I, it makes me laugh every time i hear it i love it so much wow dylan what did you choose so Mine's not really like a quote, it's just like a word in the movie, but it's when um, Ralphie's mom breaks the lamp and Ralphie's like, the old man like was like literally getting upset and he could only say one word and then he just blurts out, not a finger! <laughs> and I just, every time I hear it, not only do I use that in my like, with my family, like, it's just like common phrase at this point, but... It, it's like, again, one of those lines that will always get a laugh of me because it's like you're expecting him to like have something to say and that's all he blurts out and it just like doesn't even really make sense. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, mine was definitely the soft glow of electric sex gleaming in the window. But very close was the meatloaf, meatloaf, double beatloaf, <laughs> I hate meatloaf. Because I feel like I, I say to, that a lot. I used to say that one a ton when I was younger. <laughs> Also, like, Same here. fragile, it must be Italian. Fragile <laughs> is a really good one. Yeah. I, uh, I uh, triple dog dare you. Yeah, I like uh, 
Uh, you know, we said it earlier, but when Randy's like, I can't put my arms down, but always sticks in my head, too. <laughs> oh, and oh, my God, I, I wanted to mention this scene earlier, but when I think it's like the final Scott Farkas scene uh, and there's like a shot of Randy and with the voiceover, Randy lay still. It was his only defense. <laughs> it's just oh, so, so good. Uh, yeah, man. Oh, what so many great, great moments. Okay. Let's move to our last segment here. Let's do some rankings. Uh, Olivia, do you have anything for us to rank before we close off our episode today? I do. Um, Rank these children's performances in these Christmas movies. Oh, this is good. I already know Um, this is going. I like it. Yeah, so like not based on how much you like their character, but based on how good they were in the role. Wow. So Getting serious here. Yeah. I have Macaulay Culkin in the Home Alone movies. Um, Peter Billingsley in A Christmas Story, uh, Taylor Momsen in How a Grinch Stole Christmas, <laughs> and Mara Wilson from Miracle on 34th Street. Oh, man. Okay. Dylan, are you feeling ready for this? So I'm going to have to go with Mara Wilson in last. Not because... What? I, I'm sorry. It's just like I don't love uh, A Miracle on 34th Street. I, I Maybe this is a bad thing about me. Is Olivia okay for that? I feel like Olivia had her higher. Well, you just have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I, I Man, maybe I need to go back and watch it again. I feel like... I thought it was pretty good. wasn't I expecting this. I just, I don't know. It's like the one I connect to the least. Um, okay. No hate, though. Um, and... No hate to Mara Wilson. Mara Wilson, <laughs> if you're listening, no hate. I love... Ma- it's probably because I just... I Mara Wilson is Matilda, and so I just think of Matilda. Wait, wait, wait. I are we talking about, like, the 1940-something version, or are we talking about, like, the updated Miracle? No, like, the updated one. Oh, okay. One. This kind of changes things. <laughs> yeah, Mara I... Wilson is the updated one. She's Matilda. Okay, my bad. I didn't know the name of her, uh, but... Yeah, then I would probably go with Cindy Lou Who in last place then and then mara wilson in third uh macaulay culkin in second uh but come on peter billingsley as ralphie i mean we've kind of like talked about how much he's great in this movie and like a little adult in a child's body and i also think he's like super relatable especially with certain things he says and feels uh so yeah peter billingsley number one go peter billingsley wow good okay this is i like your ranking here's my ranking here we go in last place, Macaulay Culkin. He's kind of annoying, not going to lie. Uh, his performance as Kevin is fine. I don't think it's anything too crazy. He, he just makes some traps. Cool. It's not like an emotional performance needed from him. It, it, he's fine. He's cool. Third place is Taylor Momsen as Cindy Lou Who. Uh, I like, you know what? No, never mind. I'm going to go Mara Wilson third place. Uh, she's great. I love her as Matilda. I'm probably using that as a bias to put her higher ranking, but... I like Mar Wilson in Miracle on 34th Street. Second place, Taylor Momsen. Cindy Lou Who. The Grinch. It is, she's great. She makes me want to believe in Christmas. I love when she sings, Where Are You Christmas? It makes me so happy. And she's just such a sweet little uh, Who from Whoville. And, but at first place, I agree with you, Dylan. Peter Billingsley, 100%. I love how much he, like I said, I, it feels like he's like a little man played by a kid like he feels like he's trying to play an adult and it's done so well i really like it a lot so that is my ranking but now olivia is gonna say oh cindy lou who is last i already can i can hear it i can already hear it so let's... um in last place i have taylor Momsen. yeah see oh my god so dumb 
I don't know what it is, but just not I know what it is. It's your internalized like hatred that you were never Cindy Lou Who when you were a kid, and so you you take it out on Taylor Momsen. Very true. Very true. Ever since I watched that, I was just jealous that I wasn't her, and I yeah. think I could have done a better job in the role. Exactly. That's there what it, it is. is. This internalized jealousy that's just been like, growing in you for like years and years to come. Yeah. Now it's finally it's finally coming out. So yes, Taylor Momsen in fourth place. In third place, Macaulay Culkin. Um, Ooh, kind of agree with me then, huh? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I just think you know his performance. He's basically just being a kid the whole time. There's there's no nothing he's really doing that's that impressive. He's not really there's acting. No range there, Macaulay no, Culkin. No range. He's not really acting. <laughs> you know, it's not that good. Sorry, Macaulay Culkin. Um, yeah, if you're listening. And then. In <laughs> sure he's an avid listener. Um in second place I have um uh Mara Wilson from Miracle on 34th Street. I like her. I think she was adorable. She was an adorable little kid. And I remember mostly actually from Mrs. Doubtfire. I'd mm, say that's my favorite movie with her in it. Yeah, um, she was everywhere. But again, her performance, it's good, but it's fairly one dimensional. Um but Peter Billingsley as Ralphie, honestly, it's so good. It's so good. He's so believable. And like, just he has these little antics and mannerisms that most child actors like don't have. He just, he looks so professional and so good. And he's so great in this movie. I love it. Very well said. I completely agree with you. And look at that. All three of us had the same number one, which I thought was pretty impressive. Well, it, we have reached the end of our discussion on A Christmas Story. It's been a dream come true to talk about this movie because I I feel like this, as much as I love this movie, I legitimately only watch it during the month of December, which is kind of like weird to think about. But I do love it, and I'm glad we got a chance to talk about it because we probably won't talk about it for the next 11 months. So on that note, this week is going to be Christmas. Uh, so happy holidays to all of our listeners uh, thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Next week, we'll be back, not with a holiday episode, but probably like a Q&A mailbag type episode where we get questions from you, the listener, and we answer it uh, probably in the best way possible with great opinions and bad opinions and uh, Olivia just hating on Taylor Momsen some more because for some reason <laughs> she just hates her. So. At any rate, thank you so much for everybody listening. Check out the House Cinema podcast on Instagram at House Cinema. Check out uh, Cinema Nation on TikTok. Our individual social media profiles will be in the link in the bio. And again, next week, we'll be probably doing a Q&A episode. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>